Dan. Hello, Riley. I just saw you looking out the window. It's raining again. It rained all day. It's rained for the last week. I know. And it's miserable. I know. I know. It really is miserable. I find it weird because it was sunny earlier. And all of a sudden, we start recording the podcast and it's dark and gloomy. I'm going to look away here for a moment. It's very windy. Like, I think we might get a thunderstorm. Oh, that would be so cool. It would so suit my topic. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, It's super dark here as well right now. And it has that weird, sickly kind of light that often um, is the prelude to a good thunderstorm. I love thunderstorms. I've never been afraid of them. I used to, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not, but I went through a tornado a couple years ago. Like my home was in the path of it. And ever since then... I don't have the same affinity for them that I used to, which I think is understandable. I know. It's weird, too, because you think we, we live in Louisiana and we don't. Yeah, and I, I think I think we have talked about this. It is weird. It's changed. You've spent a lot of time in this city and I was born and, and raised here. It has completely changed from, you know, you'd get once every five years a tornado warning to now getting several every summer with touchdowns right and you know what i miss in the summer gorgeous thunderstorms beautiful thunderstorms that happen for like an hour and a half and then they clear and it's sunny and the humidity is gone and we don't get those anymore where can we file complaints yeah really i'd love to i just watched that it's richard attenborough right who is the um richard attenborough who's the um the dung beetle pushes the dung ball up the sand hill i just watched his netflix um sort of letter to the world about the environment and it was very sobering i have to say very i can't watch any of that stuff right now oh it's good though it's i'm sure it is yeah it made me happy and also made me infuriated i'm so tired right now with everything going on in the world i know that it's things are bad there's so little well this is gonna sound terrible but i sometimes feel like there's so little we as individuals can do that really there's gonna have to be collective change if we're gonna do anything to to solve the mess that we're in i feel that 100 percent. i feel that corporations are a hundred percent in charge of everything money is everything profit is everything yes i don't understand the world i really do not understand i don't want to bum myself out though because i am so excited about my topic this week so um i want to take a, a dive into that pool pretty quickly what uh what do we have administratively anything oh just the usual if you uh, enjoy what you're listening to then uh, make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on if you can rate on that platform give us a good rating if you like what you hear tell your friends if you don't like what you hear and you really despise everything that we're talking about tell your enemies yeah tell them to watch it make them miserable yeah and just spread the word galore. And uh, that's that's all the administrative stuff I have for uh, this episode. I want to do one shout out to uh, Sarah Kelly Cole, who gave us a hello from Northern Ireland and helped clear up how we pronounce Edinburgh. Which we were right. I think you we uh, that is what we had said. Well, I was kind of going Edinburgh, not Edinburgh. Okay, okay. I was kind of going Edinburgh. Right, because I re-listened to that episode and I like neither one of us thought it was Edinburgh. No, 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 I'm not Edinburgh. It sounds so American. There is a neighborhood in our city called New Edinburgh. Isn't that New Edinburgh? Is it not the same? See, I've always said New Edinburgh for that one. And that's why they don't want you living there. And they've been quite clear about that. (laughs) And you also don't make $3 million a year. 
Okay, administrative is done. I'm so excited about my podcast topic this week because I think it's something that we all love, the collective all. I'm just assuming everybody listening to this podcast is going to be into this topic as I am. So I'm going to start off my podcast and not end my episode this week with a reading. It's like church. We're going to start with a reading. Can you sing it? (laughs) No, but this one will bum you out like the Bible does. This is a good reading. (laughs) Well, you know, the Bible's always so didactic. It's like, you know, no, 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 this is not didactic. It's just beautiful. I'm going to read you something uh, written by one of my favorite authors in the world, now deceased, a gentleman named Ray Bradbury. Mm -hmm. And here we go. Beware the autumn people. For some, autumn comes early, stays late through life. For these beings, fall is the ever normal season, the only weather. There be no choice beyond. Where do they come from? The dust. Where do they go? The grave. Does blood stir in their veins? No, the night wind. What ticks in their head? The worm. What speaks from their mouth? The toad. What sees from their eyes? The snake. What hears with their ear? The abyss between the stars. They sift the human storm for souls, eat flesh of reason, fill tombs with sinners. They frenzy forth, in gusts they beetle scurry, creep thread, filter motion, make all moons sullen and surely cloud all clear run waters. The spider web hears them, trembles, breaks. Such are the autumn people, beware of them. So, can you guess what my topic is this week? Hmm, uh, McDonald's cooking practices. Well, you just, like, ruined that solemn moment. What? I'm doing Halloween. <laughs> just Halloween in general? I'm doing the history of Halloween, bitch. Cool. Yes. Okay. And there is some stuff in here I bet you did not know, because there was stuff I mean, in here. there's a lot of stuff here that I won't know. I don't really know the history of Halloween. It's really freaking cool. I started to do this by just going, hey, I'm going to just see if this is a p- potential podcast. And it just opened up so many different doors. I could have done three hours on this, but I'm hopefully going to keep it reduced to an hour. But I think you're going to like it. Cool. Okay. So let's yes. go um, do some Halloween. Yay. Okay, so Halloween, where did it begin? Well, it began with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. I've been saying that wrong my entire life because it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Samhain. Yeah, and somebody once told me it was pronounced Shemoin. <laughs> like what Michael Jackson would say. Shemoin. <laughs> no, it's pronounced Samhain for sure. Samhain. Okay. Samhain. Yeah, because I have Wicca friends, I think, who told me it was pronounced Shemoin. But not not very good Wiccas. Anyway, it's no. Samhain. The Celts uh, pronounced it Samhain. It was the most okay. important of the four festivals that we know. There are four festivals throughout the year, the solstice, blah, blah, blah. For people who don't know, the Celts lived 2,000 years ago, and they were mostly uh, in Ireland, the UK, and some of them were in France. May have originated from the area around Syria. Really? Yeah. Like a long, long time ago. The Celtic calendar... I did not know this, was divided into two major sections, light and dark. So this day that we're talking about, Samhain, commemorated the end of the summer and the harvest time. And it also was the beginning of cold, dark winter days, which was the dark half of the calendar. And I didn't know how hard it was, but the dark half of the calendar was a really survival of the fittest period for these people. 
Winter was very strongly associated with bad health, with death, with starvation. It was not considered a happy time. So I'm completely down with, with the philosophy of the Celts because that's how I feel about winter. I mean, you know how much I hate it. Now, mm-hmm. they believed that the veil between the world of the living and the dead was the thinnest it could possibly be on October 31st. And they believed that the ghosts of the dead and also other entities, and this I didn't know, could therefore return to the earth and roam. I knew about that they believed that the dead could walk the earth. I didn't know that they believed other more powerful entities, spirits Mm -hmm. that were not of this plane of existence could walk Mm -hmm. the earth as well. Because they believed that mm-hmm. there was more out there than just heaven and hell and all that. They, well, they didn't believe in heaven and hell, yeah. but they believed that there were other alternative realities as well and other, other bad places. And they also believed, and I didn't know this either, that the living could become lost in the world of the dead. And there's a lot of stories in Celtic tradition and legends claiming that this had actually happened to people. That on the night of October 31st, they had been lured into the other side of existence and were ever, forever lost in the realm of the dead. So the traditions on Samhain are fascinating. On that night, they would extinguish their hearth fire. So if you lived in a Celtic village, you would extinguish your hearth fire on that night. And then you would set a place at your table for your dead relatives and friends. So anyone from your household, I guess not really friends, but any of your dead relatives, you would set a place at your table for them. They would light in the villages in each uh, settlement, massive sacred bonfires. And in these bonfires, they would burn crops and animals, which were sacrifices to their deities. They felt it was very important. Those fires were lit with a wheel and they would turn the wheel very rapidly. It would create a spark. And that wheel was considered a representation of the sun, which gives life. So eventually the bonfires, which were known as Samganagans, and I hope I'm saying that right, Samganagans would be lit near farms to protect the farms from fairies and witches interfering Mm -hmm. with their lives. Mm -hmm. Okay. The folk in the villages would wear costumes, mostly made of animal heads and skins to ward off ghosts. They believed Mm. that if they wore a disguise, then the dead would not recognize them. Mm. At that time of year, they would also tell each other's fortunes. They felt that if they engaged in that activity on that particular night, the fortunes would be very accurate. So if you're going to have your your fortune told, that was the night to do it. So they would do it to each other. On that evening, on that night, bowls of food were also placed outside homes to keep the spirits happy and to deter them from entering into the homes. They would also, I love this image. Like, would, they, would it be things like O. Henry's, Crispy Crunch? Shitty popcorn you made yourself. Uh, apples with razors in them. You know, that never happened. Anyway, and on that night, they would light candles to help their loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. Hold on. Wait a minute. So it was the, their loved ones that were coming for them. And others. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But they would light candles to help their loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. So they would become trapped as ghosts. The Celts believed that the presence of the spirits made it easier for their priests, which we know as Druids, to make mm-hmm. prophecies. And that's why it was so important to have fortunes told that night. This is my favorite one. When the festival was coming to an end, they would all rekindle their hearth fires with flames, embers, burning twigs from the giant bonfires in the center of each settlement. So everybody's hearth would be lit, relit from the same source. Cool. 
That's beautiful. I think that's really beautiful. It really reminds me of what it means to be a community. Mm -hmm. Now, Samhain had its monsters. Is this where McDonald's gets tied in? I'm assuming this is where Grimace comes from. You're not going to let me get through this, are you? You're going to be that guy. You're going to be that guy at the back of the classroom. I always have been. Miss Emerson, can I go to the bathroom? Ugh. All right. You know, when I was little, actually, McDonald's, I, that was a great thing because you would get those certificates for French fries. You're right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You'd get a, instead of a trick or treaty thing, you'd get a certificate for French fries because you're not going to throw French fries in there. It'd be gross. I know we've talked about McDonald's and its characters before, so we don't need to go down. Yeah, we know, uh, we know there's again. a bird now. We sure do know there's a bird. But the other thing McDonald's used to do, too, just in general, was they used to give amazing prizes with the Happy Meals. Like, you'd get Hot Wheel cars. Uh, I remember they had Muppet Babies. Like, they'd actually have toys that kids would actually play with. I still have probably all those Hot Wheel cars still in a box somewhere in my basement. Don't they still have pretty decent i when i go into mcdonald's i always see in the display case it looks pretty cool no no they're cheaply made they're cheap plasticky things and only sometimes do you get you'll get like a figure that doesn't have any moving arms and legs they're okay you know what you know what also used to have great prizes was breakfast cereal when i was a kid what was the thing you most wanted from breakfast cereal yeah like what because i know that there was there was some recurring toys right that you could get out of cereal i think the one that i wanted the most was the fred flintstone the flintstones wind up boat that you had to put a rubber band on oh yeah 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 yes you you put a rubber band and wind up the propeller and then it would go across the bathtub yeah i remember that and i was gonna say the submarine that you'd had to put baking uh soda in or powder i always get those two mixed up baking soda that or the um it was like a spider and you threw it on the wall and it It would slowly crawl yeah it was like slimy yes yeah i also remember when i was a kid they would um they'd give you 3d glasses inside the <gasps> breakfast here and then the breakfast the back of the box was 3d yes 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 oh see i forgot about that one yes we were we were really lucky to be young when we were yeah well just that and saturday morning cartoons and and halloween as uh, my podcast today will show you halloween peaked its peak is over it's mm. a completely different holiday than it was in the mm-hmm. 70s 80s a little bit of the 90s. It's not mm-hmm. what it once was. Anyway, mm-hmm. so the monsters of Samhain are as follows. There's Puka. He's a shapeshifter and he receives harvest offerings and takes them greedily. There's the Lady Gwyn. She's a headless woman dressed in white oh. who chases people out in the, in, in the night, in the dark of night, and she is accompanied by a jet black pig. I love that image. Some woman in white running with a pig. Then there's the Dullahan. They're um, impish creatures. They would sometimes appear as headless men on horses who are carrying their heads. The horses would have burning eyes. Ah. And to see one of the Dullahan was considered an omen of impending death. That is so cool. I actually thought in the back of my head, that would be kind of something to investigate the headless horseman because that's it. That's there's the source. Obviously, that's where he got it. Absolutely. Yeah. And one other was the um, and I know I'm not going to say this properly because it probably requires an accent, but the Sluag, it's S-L-U-A-G-H, the Sluag. And they would enter the houses of, of the living and steal their souls. The basic understanding I have of Gaelic, the words, the way that they're written, don't sound anything like what they, what we think they would be. Well, like Samhain is Samhain, right? 
Right. Exactly. So it didn't, yeah, it certainly doesn't sound like anything like I thought it would. Mm -hmm. So those are the deities that they would fear and make sacrifices to and try to placate. There's big stories out there and legends about them. I'm not going to get into that today because I don't want the podcast to be three hours, but there were many um, stories that were recounted as part of the festivities. One of the biggest and most well-known is the Second Battle of Mag... Tured. And this tells the story. And the reason I'm bringing this one up is because it sounds fascinating and I've read a little bit about it. It tells the story of the final conflict between the Celtic pantheon known as the Tuatha de Danann and evil beings known as the Fomor. See, I think that one is Tue de Danann. Okay. But I well, could be wrong. We'll go with that. And they battled the Fomor and the story states that the battle took place during the festival of Samhain. It's a story everybody would know back then. Yeah, well, I, I kind, I kind, I know the gist of it. I didn't realize it took place then. Yes, yes. Me. So it was a story that they would tell around the fires on that night, the night of Samhain. Hmm. Cool. So now we're going to go into a little bit of history because this is stuff I didn't really know about either. So by 43 AD, the Romans had conquered most of the Celtic territories, and they remained and ruled them for approximately 400 years. You know what I didn't know until I heard this the other day that basically, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but someone said it on online who I trust, that the fall of the Roman Empire is basically due to the fact that they became Christians. Well, that as soon as they embraced Christianity, that's when their empire crumbled. That That is absolutely one of the reasons why it crumbled, but I, I wouldn't say it's the reason. Okay, but it's, it's, it's a contributor. Yeah, it changed their nature. They became, in a weird way, they became less accepting of other cultures and beliefs, hmm. right? The Romans were really interesting when they were polytheistic, theistic, theistic, Anyway, when they believed in a lot of gods, because they kind of would come into a territory and go, oh, you've got this god. He's interesting. All right, we'll include him in our... And it didn't... Like the Jews, for example, they didn't care about Yahweh. Oh, that's their god. They can have it. But when they became Christian, that changed. And there became almost a need to spread the word of God to all these areas. And be intolerant of other religions. Sort of. But intolerance absolutely is a... I would argue is was a key piece of that empire falling apart. There's a, there's a lot of reasons for it, but that would be one of the big ones. Cool. I did not know that. So that was something I was really happy to learn. A number of Roman traditions during their occupation were combined with Samhain. And the first of those traditions was the uh, celebration known as Feralia. It's a day in late October when the Romans observed the passing of the dead. So coincidentally, same time of year. And the second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And some historians, more than one, so I'm not making this up, ex- uh, said that this might explain the tradition of bobbing for apples. That, oh. That's where it came from. It was a game to sort of commemorate the Roman goddess Pomona, which is obviously where the French, I guess, or Latin word. Pum. 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 Yeah, pum. And potatoes are pomme de terre, apples of the earth. Yes. So, here come the Christians. The Christians, the Christians, here come the Christians. Everybody, the Christians are here. Exactly. And the interesting thing about the Christians is they're sneaky and they're clever. So instead of stamping out the pagan rites, the church put their own stamp on the pagan rites because it made it way easier to convert them. That's right. And an example of this is the Feast of Lemuria 
which I'd never heard of, Lemuria. I only know that there's a famous science fiction novel called... You don't celebrate the Feast of Lemuria Lemuria, in your house? No, we don't celebrate any feasts here. You don't celebrate, period. (laughs) No, I'm a a bitter husk of a man. Lemuria was celebrated on May the 13th, and it was the darkest and most sinister of all the pagan rites. It was when the pagans would placate the dead... On that day, it's a little similar to Samhain, but kind of different because it's more dark. The ghosts of the departed would rise, and in order to stop them, they would pour milk on their graves. So that's Lemuria. Christianity transformed Lemuria into All Saints Day. Which I thought... Just wait. Just wait. We're getting there. I know what you're thinking. So they turned Lemuria, which was May 13th, into All Saints Day. It's the 8th century, and Pope Gregory designated... November 1st as the new All Saints Day. So he moved it from May 13th to November 1st. It also became known as All Hallows or All Hallow Mass. In Middle English, All Hallow Messe means All Saints Day. So All Hallow Messe, and I'm sure somebody out there who is interested in speaking Middle English, which is nerdy and stupid, but some people speak it, All Hallow Messe means All Saints Day. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense to me. That's what I thought, actually. Because you were, so were going to say All Saints Day. Wait, that's the day after Halloween. Well, Pope Gregory moved the day. I see. Okay. So November the 2nd was designated by the church as All Souls Day. And this was the day to honor the departed. Can I just say something really fast to interject? Yeah. I, I've always felt that Pope Gregory, Greg, as a the name of a pope, just doesn't fit. And I'm not trying to be silly here. I, I really have always thought that like Paul or Matthew or, you know, names like, uh, that are after apostles. Well, what about Pope Earl? What? Pope Earl the fifth. Who the hell? There was a Pope Earl? No, I'm making that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, possible. Pope Gary. I want to make a movie now of Pope Earl. Hey. Yeah. Hey, every, yeah. Uh, he has a tool belt. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, you'd have to play Pope Earl. You oh, just have that to. That would be very funny. Um, okay, very funny. So November 2nd was All Souls Day. And this is interesting. I didn't know this. I knew about All Souls Day, but I didn't know this detail. They would pray for the souls trapped in purgatory. So that was what All Souls Day was for. They were trapped between heaven and hell. And they believed that if enough yeah. prayers were offered up, the souls would move on to heaven. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful. Not very, not very believed in anymore, though, the whole purgatory business. No, and you don't ever hear All Souls Day. That's, I haven't heard that in a very long time. In England, uh, during All Souls Day, they would have parades. And at that time, the poor would beg for food. And they would often be given, in return for the begging, a thing called a soul cake. And a soul cake, I saw a picture of it and a recipe. It's just a very simple, sweet kind of pastry filled with raisins. And they would be given these in exchange for prayers for the souls trapped in purgatory. Okay, everybody, full disclosure. um, We've moved forward in time two whole days. Yeah. Uh, And it's because Dan's microphone exploded. Yes. So in the moments preceding this, Riley was full swing and my mic started lighting up and doing weird things and making funny noises. And then it just went kaput and the whole session dropped out. So we, we talked about re-recording that first 30, but I liked it so much that uh, these things happen. Uh, we live in an age now where we're relying so heavily on technology, especially uh, with everything that's been going on. Whatever, we're all, we all go through it. 
So we're good now. We have we both have um, expensive microphones now, so I think it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I was just using my old microphone from when I was uh, five years old that came with my cassette player. Yeah, do you remember that? Mine had a little plastic stand, so it would kind of point it in your direction. Yeah, I had that too. This is uh, a quick aside. I had tapes maybe two dozen tapes where I hosted my own radio show. I had a record player, so I played music off the records. I'd introduce the songs, but then I'd also do bits in between. I called it Radio Dan. That that took a lot of thought. Well, I was young. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. And then I remember there was a girl that I really quite fancied in grade eight, and I made her a comedy tape using that that contraption. Two sides. And how, lo- how long were cassettes? Like 30 minutes per side? It uh, depends. Most the cassette, I think the pro- the sort of most popular format was the 90 minute cassette. Right. Which was the 90. So that was 45 minutes. That's right. Side. That's right. Exactly. So I made yeah. a 90 minute comedy album at the age of 13 for that girl. Dear God. Mm-hmm. Did, did she put out? Oh, you're 13. That's, that's not, that's not right. No. And I, she didn't even date me. It was the worst scenario because we were back Best friends, and she she liked someone else who she yeah. actually eventually married. Really? Mm-hmm. You have the best girlfriend stories, though, of anyone I've ever known. Mm-hmm. I could just listen to your girlfriend stories day in and day out. Seriously, <laughs> you have you've had some hilarious moments. Some which we can't share here, but. Um, yeah. If you ever meet us for coffee, we'll tell you all about it. Do you want me to get on the train and continue on our yes. journey? Yes. Okay. So we had just discussed All Souls Day and what would happen on All Souls Day. And this is after the church got involved. And on All Souls Day, they would have big bonfires, parades, and people would dress up like saints, angels, and devils. That practice was known as going a souling in Scotland and Ireland, and it was eventually taken over by the children, as everything good in life is, who would visit the homes in their neighborhoods and they would sing, they would recite a poem or perform a trick before accepting a treat. And the treat was generally fruit, nuts, or coins, and this practice was called guising. Oh. So yeah, so in Ireland and Scotland, that was guising. The night before All Saints Day was eventually called all Hallow's Eve, and then mm-hmm. shortened to Halloween. And this I knew. I knew that. Mm-hmm. It was in a scholastic book I had when I was a kid about um, Halloween. Oh. Now, the 16th century witch mania helped to establish the image of the witch that has survived through time. It's always a woman. She's always in league with Satan. And her simple kitchen tools, her pot, her broom, etc., became the symbols of her craft. And the pointed hat was actually a variation of hats that were worn by rural women in the Middle Ages, mm. which I did not know. No. I actually have finally seen images of rural women in the Middle Ages, and they wore these pointed hats when mm. they worked in the fields and they were outside. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that image of the witch, also because of witch mania, became associated with Halloween, and it is one of the images that um, endures to this day. Mm-hmm. Now here comes the fun. Halloween crosses the ocean with the settlers. Okay. Now, Halloween was not huge in colonial New England, which is where I'm from. Not colonial New England, because then I would be a time traveler and that would be amazing. Oh, you're not? I'm not. I wish I was, because I would go forward, find the lottery numbers, then come back and win. Mm-hmm. And then we could both have great mics. See, I've got a plan, man. So Halloween wasn't big in colonial New England because the Protestant Puritans were just no fun right? They were serious, hardworking people. They were also extraordinarily superstitious. And so they weren't into it at all. They didn't like anything to do with the paranormal. They were just mm-hmm. like, you you go to church, you, you work, you have kids. Dish out some scarlet letters. Yes. But of course, where do you think the spooky celebrations were really popular? In the South, 
right? Because the South, Southern Gothic, I mean, the South is a spooky, messed up place anyway, right? I didn't realize that. I always just assumed it was the opposite, that it was born out of New England, you know? No, no, they were not into it. It took a while to get there. Now, beliefs and customs from various European groups and the American First Nations all kind of mixed together. And that result is the distinctly American version of Halloween that tends to be the most pervasive version. Mm -hmm. The version we all know of Halloween is the American version because it became Mm -hmm. huge there. Mm -hmm. Early on in American history, they would have what they called play parties, which were events to celebrate the harvest. And at that time, they would gather together and share stories of the dead. Again, tell each other's fortunes. So that connects way back to the the Celtic traditions. And they would dance and sing. And ghost stories were particularly popular. So can I I just go back quickly? Because... Absolutely. So these traditions are coming from the American South? No, no. Halloween was popular in the South. Oh, it was just popular in the South. Yeah, the traditions were brought from Europe. Yeah, okay. They got mixed up with other kinds of European traditions and First Nations. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. By the mid-19th century, autumn celebrations had become very common, but Halloween had yet to become a national phenomenon. But, and you'll like this because it's your people, new immigrants, especially the Irish coming over as a result of the potato famine... Helped to, there's that giant Godiva mug again. <laughs> I love that you drink out of a mug that's as big as your fucking head. And my head's big. I know. You we fat Irish head. <laughs> we, we need to post a picture of you next to that mug. <laughs> the Godiva mug. Yeah, we could do that. If we ever go on tour with the podcast, you got to bring that mug. Yes, yes, I will. We should post pictures of ourselves, I feel like. We I will. like that. Like I listen to Dan Carlin or Mark Barron, for example. I like to know what they look like. But they're successful. Yeah, but I just like to know who I'm... I don't know. I like to see the face that I'm listening to. Mark Maron's so popular. You know, I'm so, so bitter that they canceled Glow. Oh, I know. I don't understand Netflix. I really, really don't. And Maron as well. I don't know if you ever saw his his show Maron, which was on Netflix. And I Mm. believe he got five seasons out of that. Really good. In fact, if you haven't watched it, Riley, you should. But I loved him on Glow. Sure. Like no one else, no one else can play that part but him. Mm -hmm. He was amazing on that show. Mm -hmm. So the Irish were coming over as a result of the potato famine and they helped to make Halloween very popular because they are very superstitious folk and they love any excuse to celebrate. So folk began to dress up and go house to house asking for food or money and this eventually evolved into trick-or-treating. Young girls would try to determine the name of their future husbands through divinations using yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. How do you... Okay, so how does that work? It's the same way as reading tea leaves. They would just look at the apple parings and say, Mm -hmm. oh, look, it looks like the initial R. I'm going to marry Richard. That kind of thing. By the end of the 1800s, the festival had become much more lighthearted and more community-oriented. There was a push to remove the frightening and disturbing elements from Halloween. So it soon lost a lot of its superstitious and religious overtones. Mm. And Halloween was party-focused until about the mid-1900s when trick-or-treating really took over. Hmm. So it was very much a um, mid-1900s thing, phenomenon. Yeah, right. Now, we're going to leave the U.S. for a minute because I think 
Mexico deserves a little bit of a mention well, here. I'm glad you're doing that because I was going to ask you about other countries. This is great. This is the only other country that really has a celebration like this is Mexico and parts of South America. Actually, Latin America, Spain also celebrates All Souls Day. Mexico, Latin America, Spain, they all celebrate All Souls Day on November 2nd. So it's really it, it, at the same time as, as the Christian calendar. Mm-hmm. The three-day celebration starts on the evening of October 31st, so Halloween. And I don't know how much you know about the Day of the Dead and the all and how they celebrate, but it is really beautiful. It is. You know what? You know how I've learned more about that? It's through my children's... Uh, like some of the movies that they watch there's coco was it coco i love that movie and, and the, but there's an even better one that came out before coco um oh gosh what's it called freaky freaky friday no uh, uh big trouble in little china have you seen it <laughs> i almost feel like yelling at my children to tell me the name it's a beautiful film it's it's uh, they take modern music kind of like moulin rouge and they they insert it in the, and it, it it tells a story coco is beautiful yeah they, they're both great and you know i i try to hate disney because mm-hmm. i uh i think they own too much i think that they've been let they have been allowed to acquire too many entertainment properties well i feel like they're do, right now they're doing a good job at handling those my concern because they have monopoly quarter of every entertainment dollar goes to disney i know my concern is that eventually the quality the quality will go down. And because they have a monopoly on all of these different... Well, Marvel and Lucasfilm, they own all of it. And Pixar. Right. And Pixar, exactly. You're looking that up, aren't you? Oh, okay. Yeah, The, the Book of Life. That was the, the movie that I'm trying to... Uh, I was trying to remember. The Book of Life. I will look it up. Did you know there was a rumor that Disney was actually trying to acquire HBO? Ooh. Yeah, that would be devastating. That'd be very bad. Yeah, they would own all the the top producers. But anyway, so in case our listeners don't know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dia de las Muertes. They honor the dead because they believe that on that day, the dead return to their earthly homes. And the families build altars in their homes, decorate them with candy, flowers, photographs of their loved ones, their loved ones' favorite foods and drinks, and also water for the spirits. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they leave a wash basin, basin, a wash basin. (laughs) I asked my wife to get me a wash basin, but she went and spent the money on alcohol. You sound like an old-time comic. So I said to my wife, hey! Anyway, I can't... Get uh, me a wash basin. Uh, Here's 50 cents. Go to the hardware store. (laughs) Anyway, they would leave a wash... It's actually hard to say. A wash basin and a towel for the spirit to clean up after they eat. Candles and incense are burned to help the spirits find their loved ones. And they also, at that during the three days, tidy the graves of the dead and decorate them beautifully with mm-hmm. flowers and candles and photographs. On November mm-hmm. the 2nd, the loved ones all gather on the grave for a meal. And at that time, they share memories of the departed. Hmm. And these gatherings can be very lavish. Some of them, wealthier people, have included catering and a band. Cool. Yeah. So you show up to... You know, grandma's grave and there's a band and it's catered. A band like Menudo? Usually a mariachi band, which I love. Shakira? I love mariachi bands. Me too. Yeah, they're they're fun. There's just something about them. Um, Now I'm going to tell you another story. We're going to completely jump from uh, Mexico, South America, Spain, all the way to Ireland. So we're back in Ireland yet again, but we're not going anywhere near Wicklow because I'm scared of that green mist. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you an Irish story. And this is a really good one, and I didn't know about it. And now I know, and I feel 
bettered for knowing it. Mm-hmm. There once was a man named Stingy Jack, and Stingy Jack invited the devil to join him for a drink. But Stingy Jack, as his name tells you, didn't want to pay. So he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin, which he would then use to cover their tab. Well, no sooner had the devil done this than Jack took the coin and put it in his pocket with the silver cross to keep the devil trapped inside the coin. Well, after a time had passed, Jack agreed to free the devil if he promised not to bother him for one entire year and if Jack happened to die, the devil would not claim his soul. The devil said, "Ah, okay, I don't want to stay a coin forever. So a year passed and the devil did indeed return. Now at that time, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing a tree to retrieve a piece of beautiful ripe fruit. No sooner had the devil done this than Jack carved a cross into the trunk of the tree so that the devil could not climb down. So Jack made the devil who was trapped in the tree promise not to bother him for 10 years. And 10 years passed, Jack died. And when he went up to heaven, God would not allow him into the kingdom of heaven. And Jack couldn't go to hell because the devil had promised not to claim his soul. So that was the deal. The devil left Jack to wander alone in the dark with only a burning ember from hell to see by because he couldn't bring him to hell and he wasn't allowed into heaven. So Jack placed that coal into a carved out turnip and he has been roaming the earth ever since. Well, the Irish began to refer to Stingy Jack as Jack of the Lantern, which shortens to Jack-O-Lantern. Neat. That's the origin. That is the origin story. In Ireland and Scotland, people began to make lanterns with turnips and potatoes, and they would place them near the doors and windows to ward off Jack and other unpleasant spirits because Jack is out there wandering. Mm. I did not know this. This was, in researching the podcast, (laughs) my biggest revelation moment. Pumpkins are only native... To America. I think I knew that. I didn't. So immigrants from Ireland, primarily, and Scotland brought the Jack O'Lantern tradition with them. And when they arrived, they discovered that pumpkins made the perfect lantern because they're already hollow. And they also grow and mature at the perfect time of year. And thus, the pumpkin tradition was born and endures to this very day. And it's all because the devil gave somebody, uh, a wandering soul, a little burning ember so that he wouldn't Mm -hmm. be um, lost in the dark so completely. God comes out in this one looking bad. Yeah, God was just like, you're not getting it. Well, Jack was a bit of a dick. Oh. You know, and and God is, as life has taught me, not the most tolerant person. Depends on the version. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. I've got some additional Halloween notes uh, to share with you. Just little bits of tidbits of information I gathered on my... And I have a very important question for you afterwards. Okay. So the a whole um, icon of the ghost being covered in a sheet, that was inspire, inspired. I'm having a hard... I wonder if I had a stroke. Jesus. Let me have a drink of my grape Kool-Aid. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, that's good. It's really grape Kool-Aid. Is that actual grape Kool-Aid? I love grape Kool-Aid. You make like from the powder? Yeah, I've been making it since I was a kid. You know what I love? What? Welch's grape juice. I still love it. Oh my God, that shit's good. And it's from Concentrate too. It's not good for you. It's terrible, but it's... I know, it's full of sugar. Oh, but it tastes so good. I know, it has that... It it tastes like nothing else. Yeah. It's a spit... Yeah, my mom would only ever buy it for us at Christmas. There's a nice round taste on the palate with it. You know what I mean? It's not just a sugar blast. It's like a... 
you get the taste of the fruit and I don't know how they did it. Cause it is all completely artificial, but anyway, oh, it's good. I agree. It's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could just stay up all night with a plate of nachos and a quart of that. Anyway, ghosts covered in sheets. Uh, that whole thing is inspired by the shroud or the winding sheet, which people used to put the dead in a, mm-hmm. a lot of cultures will wrap the, um, the deceased in a sheet often sew it up very carefully so that whole idea of the ghost being with the sheet draped over it is just the dead come back to life and they're still wearing what they were put in the grave with which is the Mm -hmm. winding sheet Mm -hmm. um halloween pranks have been with us for quite a while and they were very destructive in the early 1900s i didn't know about this there was a lot of damage that resulted and it got to be a real problem actually the halloween of 1933 was legendary in history it's known as black halloween because so much damage occurred Hmm. so at wit's end (laughs) communities invented things for kids to do to keep them out of mischief Hmm. and at that point novelty companies took hold when they realized that there was money to be made masks and costumes began to be sold in stores specifically for halloween for the very first time in the 40s okay yeah and the first costumes were made of paper and so there were a lot of cases of children bursting into flame. <laughs> like a lot. Because also pe- people would use candles and fires and a lot of, a lot of kids went up. I know it's, it's mean, but yeah, the paper costumes. Well, even I think of the costumes that we wore, like the masks that we had uh, in the 70s and 80s. Oh. Like the, remember how small the, the, eye, the eye openings were? Yeah, you can see. And you, you, you couldn't really breathe. You'd breathe that plastic. That's right. I have a horrible story. When I was young, my mom bought me a Sylvester mask. The cat? Yes. It's a Sylvester. No, the singer. Yeah. Sylvester the cat. And um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she made me a, a costume um, okay. to go with it. Because, you know, parents okay. used to make costumes yeah. anyway. And she, I remember she put a, um, a coat hanger in the tail so it would curl. Uh-huh. Anyway, I went to the church, had a big, um, it sounds like I'm religious and I'm not at all, but I was raised religious. I think that's quite clear, Riley, if anyone's been listening to this show. <laughs> that you're not the church had a big Halloween party and I went and about an hour into it, I barfed into the oh. mask. <laughs> oh no. Filled, filled that oh. sucker right up. Oh my and God. Why? The, I was just sick. It was sugar and yeah. I was not feeling well. You know, when you're, you have kids, you know, little kids, they barf a lot. Yeah. You know, it's, you're, 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 it's just something that goes with being very young. I was like eight probably. Mm-hmm. So the first costumes burst into flame. There we go. Uh, those costumes were generally inspired by radio shows and comic strips. They were pretty limited. More durable costumes and masks were finally made and uh, out of plastics and other materials. And the efforts to tame Halloween actually worked. Trick-or-treating was the final installment in making um, Halloween sort of a kid-friendly, keeping the kids occupied kind of holiday. And it was basically a way to placate pranksters. 1939 is the first time the term trick-or-treat ever appeared in print. Hmm. And trick-or-treat appeared in American Home Magazine that year. Around that time, the treat market absolutely exploded. And for the first time ever, candy started to be manufactured specifically for Halloween. Mm. And after that, the holiday became a cultural phenomenon, mostly after World War II, because mm-hmm. prosperity, right? Yeah, All right. The prosperity. Yep. Yep. In 1966, Halloween really hit the big time with the first broadcast ever of the tele- television special, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Uh, oh, okay. I thought it was going to be the uh, Disney, the Disney, um, 
broadcast. No, 1966. That was the first one, eh? The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, and Mm. it instantly became iconic. Mm -hmm. Halloween's first adult movie, the first adult movie, not adult like you rent, but the first (laughs) movie for adults, Halloween-themed, was John Carpenter's Halloween in 1978. Okay. It became one of the most yeah. successful horror franchises ever, mm-hmm. and to date it has earned more than $500 million. Are you a fan? Yes. It's also viewed as one of the first great slashers that many, many, many other franchises would try to duplicate. Yeah. Finally, this is all I have. $6 billion is spent on Halloween annually. Oh my gosh. It's the second largest holiday after Christmas. Yeah. $2.6 billion of that amount is spent on candy. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we spend like a hundred bucks. Oh, well, what am I saying? Actually, no, more than we that. We spend about, this is how it goes with us. Well, two weeks before Halloween, we get a box of 50 of the, the little things yeah. and then we eat them. Yes. And then the next week we replace them and yes. we eat them as well. Yes. And then you buy your third. Then we buy something we don't like. Oh, And then we okay. won't eat it. Like, you know, the ones where you get like Jolly Ranchers or Those something. Those are the worst. That's what I'll buy. Well, actually, no, I like Jolly Ranchers. I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah, no, we buy, we buy, I've, I've done it. I bought three boxes of chocolate bars and uh, of the mini chocolate bars. And you ate them. No, no. But you know what I did do? And this is so, I shouldn't say I haven't eaten them. I cut, I cut a secret hole in one of the boxes with like a <laughs> knife, just big enough like, and made it like a door. So you can't, you really have to look. And I've been sneaking them out. Marion knows, but, um, okay. and I think actually the kids know now too. So. I have friends who have kid, a kid about your kid's age. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Yes. Have you ever, after your kids trick, trick or treated, snuck a piece of their candy without them oh knowing? My God, yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God, yeah. Okay. No, uh, well here, this is, I have some questions for you. Okay. Are they personal? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. What was your favorite candy that you used to, that you would get? Like, what was, what were the things that you would hope to get the, you know, the, the most oh, of? Oh, you're going to, you're going to think I'm a freak. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the one I, I didn't like. Sure. Gum. Those little okay. two, two, two boxes of oh. chiclets. Oh, okay. Or thrills. I, I loved thrills. Okay. I didn't want the gum. And I also never wanted homemade shit like popcorn no. or apples. I'm not an apple lover. So um, my favorite, I think it evolved. But when I was young, I was addicted to Laffy Taffy. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if that still exists, but that was, I think, my favorite. Was it like, you know how you, you used to be? I think you they would have been there when you were a kid. They were in like a little, like they were kind of taffy in an orange Halloween uh, designed package. Oh, uh, that's that's. They, they call that, um, yeah, Halloween taffy, like molasses taffy. Yeah. It's brown. That stuff's good. Uh, that's, I think, a Canadian phenomenon. Yeah, okay. I think that's, uh, it's huge in Quebec. If you ever want to get that stuff, just go over to Jean Coteau in Quebec and they have it. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't my favorite, though. What was your favorite? Well, there was one house a couple blocks away that used to give full-sized chocolate bars. Oh, yeah. And you knew you had to hit that house, for, like one of the first houses, because every kid that had a head <laughs> on their shoulders went there and eventually they ran out so you could get like a mars bar or twix things like that i wasn't too too picky on the chocolate bars i got but that would would absolutely would have been number one i liked getting nerds nerds as well would have been one of my favorite candies to get a a completely different generation than me we didn't have nerds no that came out probably in the the 80s eh? nerds yeah we had a neighbor that would give us comics a comic book 
Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, yeah, I I like stuff like that. We even, like, my kids, uh, there's a neighbor on my street who gives them a full can of pop. And my kids love it because we don't buy a lot of pop. And he he mixes it up. So it might be cans of Coke or Orange Crush or cream soda. And and the kids think that's cool because he, and he stands out. Yeah. Well, he's the only one doing that. And they like, because otherwise they get caught. This is the other thing I don't like now is that pretty much you're going to see the exact same candy. Yeah. Because it comes in these big boxes and it wasn't like that when we were kids. There was a lot more variety. Do you know what I I was, I'm going to have to say something too, that this candy holds a special place in my heart because it's one of the few candies that has actually endured since i was a kid probably through your generation and on rockets oh yeah right yeah and i used to pretend that i was i was used to pretend that i was dying of cancer and that i had to take medicine (laughs) no seriously we used to while smoking popeye cigarettes we used to play terminally ill and we would have to take our pills oh my god i know um my i think that's my brother's favorite my brother who is um uh, I think your age, or maybe a little, just slightly younger. I love the stories about your brother. See, again, you've told me stories about your brother that I loved. Mm-hmm. Him jumping over the fence and chasing those kids. Yeah, you know, he was he was a great, great protector. Great, yeah. There was one time I threw my Fisher Price uh, parking garage at him when I was like five. But other than that, we had a pretty good relationship. Uh, another question for you, I have. Yeah. Did you ever play any pranks? Did you ever? Were you ever? Because you know. No. I, I did one, and I think it was awesome. Because it wasn't really, it wasn't mean-spirited in the least bit. Mm-hmm. Jeff Lawson, who we've mentioned in previous podcasts and I, we dressed up for Halloween as Christmas carolers. Oh, that's brilliant. We would knock on your door. And I, I think there were other people with us, but we would knock on your door. And we had the full toques and, and like really dressed up for it. And then we'd run to the, you know, the end of your walkway, and then we would sing. Like we would do a, the, the actual carol. And people would look really confused. And then they would like, they would, well, do you want candy? And, and we, we didn't. That was the trick. Do you know what? That's fucking genius. As, as a podcast team, if we ever get popular, let's fucking do that. Do you go in and Christmas Carol during Halloween? During Halloween, door to door, and have a camera follow us. That would be freaking. That's brilliant, Dan. That's why you're. Yeah, that's why it was you're, nice. Your comedy gold. I it it was ni- a nice thing because it was the look on people's faces, the surprise. But then it was pleasant. Like we we mm-hmm. it uh, it was just a, a nice thing to um, to do. And uh, one other thing, I don't know about you, but one of the other things I loved, and I I, want, I sort of touched on it earlier. I loved going trick or treating. That was fun. I also loved the part where you got home and I wouldn't go through my candy right away. I would turn on the TV because starting at eight, that's when you would get Charlie Brown. Yeah. That's when you would get the Disney. Like for me, it was Sleepy Hollow, the uh, the, the Disney um, Ichabod Crane yeah, yeah. story. Oh, I love And do you remember too, they had, um, the old Disney one had the mirror from uh, Snow, Snow White. White. Yeah. Telling this, it was like the narrator yeah. and he would piece all the stories together. Yeah, I do. I loved that. I loved it so, so very much. I, I think, and again, I said this earlier in the podcast, I think Halloween peaked 70s, 80s, 90s. I, I think that our, um, we were, our new generation's a bit too sophisticated, a bit more cynical than we were. It's different. The world is a different place. My children have just asked me to order their candy through Amazon. Do you know, um, there was a lot of dark little tales too, that I could have told about Halloween, but I did chose not to, I just wanted to just give everybody a little bit of an overview. My favorite part of this whole story, um, was about stingy Jack. Mm -hmm. I had no idea the, and of course it's a turnip. 
I'm going to share that story with my kids. Yeah, it's a good In fact, story. This is an episode that my kids can listen to again. So yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I swear though. Oh, they're uh, used to I have it. A potty mouth. I was going to tell you something, and I'm going to tell the listeners that this too. And if they don't like it, they can bitch about it on Facebook, and I'll stop doing it. But every now and then, you and I make a boo boo. In, mm-hmm. in the podcast mm-hmm. um i think one back and uh, you mentioned something when you were doing the uh, wicklow jail you said something happened in 1950 and it was actually 1850 and i also oh yeah recently got somebody's name screwed up and when i'm editing them i hear those i'm gonna start putting a correction in there just me in the studio going by the way we made a mistake it's blah 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 just so our our um listeners know that we're you know we want to be accurate could you do it in a like a really obnoxious voice? Hold on a second here. <laughs> that information is incorrect. Well, I have a, a voice emulator that does a British woman's robot voice, and I think I'll do oh that. Oh my god! Just keep it keep it short. Oh yeah, I'll keep it short. That's going to drive people to all. I really like this episode. I'm glad. I hope people do as well because Halloween is weird. It's weird. Yeah. If someone came yeah. down from space right now and landed on the planet and I tried to explain Halloween to them, they'd be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But it's also a beautifully romantic holiday. I don't mean romantic as Romeo and Juliet romantic. I mean, there's, some, there's such a sense of romance. And I love October. The wood smoke, the leaves, the mystery of it all, the darkness, the cool nights. I love it. It's a, it's a spooky time. Yeah. And can I leave our uh, listeners with one thing? If you ever have a chance... Get a book by Ray Bradbury called The Halloween Tree. In it, four little kids are taken by a guy named Mr. Mound Shroud on a journey through time to all the different um, iterations of Halloween. Oh, neat. It's a beautiful story. I gave it to a friend of mine once as a gift, and she read a chapter of it to her children every day for the eight days before Halloween because I think there's like eight chapters. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful story, and it just gives you a nice, light look at where Halloween came from and how it got to be the holiday that it is today. And that's all I got. Very good. Do I pass your course? I don't know. I, I can do a makeup test. You could do at least one more episode on this. Um, but in French, we can talk about a passing grade. I'm going to do a similar one about Christmas, for sure. Christmas, Christmas, That's Christmas. That's great. All the creepy things about Christmas. Yeah, and some of it ain't pretty. You don't want to know where that tinsel was. Yeah, out of the, and the cat's bum. That's actually happened with me with my cat. The... Oh yeah, they swallow it and then it comes, it gets caught. Yeah. And then you just, you feel compelled to pull it, but you shouldn't, but it it just gross. It calls to you though. Pull me, pull me. The cat will not mind. Pull me. (laughs) Oh, gross. It's like a, it's like the little creepy pull toys. Yeah. It's like the ring that you pull out of the doll. It's a doll that was the one permanently open eye. Anyway, (laughs) shall we say goodbye to them? We shall. And uh, thank you for listening to the weird. We love you. Yes, thanks, everyone. We love you spending time with us, and we will see you again next week when it's Dan's turn to take us somewhere unexpected. Unexpected. Apparently, I was unexpected. That's what my mother said. Anyway, good night. I asked my wife to get me a wash basin, but she went and spent money on alcohol. Get me a wash basin. Uh, Here's 50 cents. Go to the hardware store.